Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of 7 discounts so multitask right now get your quote now at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national average 12 month savings of 744 dollars by new customers surveyed who saved with progressive between june 2022 and may 2023 potential savings will vary discounts not available in all states and situations matthew stafford playing like an ellipsis Dots after dots after dots. The Rams lost. It's okay. I'm, did we use that because of the ellipsis line that he'd been sitting on I for years? I think so. Not going to lie. Ellipsis, what? I mean, explain that meaning to me there. That's that's above my pay grade right there. Well, well, if you'd gone to class at Texas, inevitably you would have learned about the ellipsis, which is the punctuation device that is three periods. I was one where I was like, damn, I've heard that word before. <laughs> But I have no idea what it means. Do I act like, hey, cool word, or should I ask you? Oh, I decided to embarrass myself and ask you. Well, dot, 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 it's another day here at PFT Live on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL podcast, wherever you get your podcast. He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. I think like one out of 100 shows, we identify ourselves verbally it shows up on the screen for those of you listening i do have to ask for yes. the image of professor peter king oh be right back yes we go any farther that would be that great. flashed during the package to open the show apologies to those of you listening that's what you get for not subscribing to peacock <laughs> but thank you for listening anyway we need to see professor Look at peter that. king there's a lot going on there first in the foreground there is a very young chris sims man who has his football uniform on and who is not paying attention, clearly. <laughs> yeah. And apparently there are some Simsisms. I can see on the that background. pigeon tailed. I see that machoism. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I wasn't aware of machoism. <laughs> what the hell's machoism? I don't know. Well, exactly. What is it? I don't know. But you know, now that I said it and you read it, you go, I kind of know what it is. I got it. Right? So, the other two, I'm not sure. What What's watching? I can't quite see behind there. And then the D-I-S-C, their disc, whatever. No, we can't see because the big stupid jocks in the way. Get out of the way, you <laughs> big stupid idiot. <laughs> that's how most uh, that's people good. felt when I that's was good. in class at school. <laughs> 
and, and, and Peter with oh, there it is. This clue and watching oh, molasses this grow. Clued. Of course, this yes. clue, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's he's good. got machoism for you, so they're going to bring that. We have machoism. Let's, let's do Simsisms. Machoism. I think there's a little bit more of a, you know, l- l- lack of or, or more machoism from the defense alignment, and they're just, I'm the man. I'm going to kick butt and do all that. Simsisms. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've probably never noticed that one yeah I don't know how many times you didn't make you your face like, i let it go yeah, I yeah. Make a face. <laughs> right no. <laughs> right and we've never played it before i'm i'm impressed i'm impressed that in the control room they're able to dial up a simsism segment we've never used we've never played they had it ready they had no idea we didn't plan this no they had no idea i was gonna shut the show down to figure out what the hell machoism is and to see this <laughs> image of professor peter king back there instructing the class on the various simsisms. So well done, control room. Well done. I'm not just saying that because it's nine days, 11 days, 10 days, something like that to Christmas. And I want to be on the nice list, not the naughty list. I really do appreciate the fact that they're back there pressing the buttons and calling stuff Pretty up. Pretty amazing. It's a lot of stuff to be to be thinking about. I don't know how you find that stuff. So well done. Well, well done. done. I would give you a standing ovation. I'm not wearing pants. Well, oh, that's great. We don't need to know that. It's all Kristen, though. Kristen's the brains of the well operation done, back there. Well done, Kristen. What about, wait, so how old do you think Peter King is in that picture there? Where did we get that picture from? What is he doing there? That's got to be, I mean, he's got to be, what, mid-20s, late-20s there in that picture? I think it's a very early Peter King picture that we use from time to time because of the awesome, the awesome not quite chia pet, yeah, but it's 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 a indicative of the seventies. That was the hair. It's impressive. Up the photo. Look at that thing. That is like I think perfect. It's like a college age, early in his career. It's got to be seventies. It's got to be. Before it's got to be. Agree. Bengals in the eighties. It's yeah. got to be like a college right. photo. Right. It looks like a college photo. Yeah. It it uh, it, it does look like a college photo. College. You got you got any classes or anything that were like special to you in those years? Right. Texas was cool. We got big classes, right? So I like that a lot of the times. And I tried to avoid other football players in my class because if I wanted to skip class, I knew they wouldn't check those classes as much. Okay, kids, close your ears. Uh, But that was the good thing about Texas. You can get into a a class with four or 500 kids in in a certain class, right, where, yeah, attendance wasn't checked on a regular basis. So I like those type of classes where, you know, oh, hey, I'd, I'd like to... You know, I'm going to be at the football practice or go in the weight room a little longer today. The hell with that class. I'm not going to go. Or, you know, the hell with that class. I got to play Madden against my friends. It, it worked out both both ways there. Uh, kind of good for me. <laughs> well, you know, I never would have guessed that you would have been that way based upon <laughs> knowing you for the last seven years. I never would have dreamed uh. that a young Chris Sims. Now, I need to know yeah. when you posed for that picture with your hand I, it's like a posing. I want to say what did they tell you to do. I well, it, what yeah, did they it tell was you to do? it was like Sports Illustrated, I think, and then we were doing a, a like with a bunch of. I did it with some teammates, and some were individual, and it was like, yeah, like mean mug the camera, like you know, make like we're tough and do all of that. And then I think a part of it was also to like take a picture of like 
we were the best sports school and Stanford was the best sports school at that time. So they were going to put us on Sports Illustrated, kind of like looking at each other like we're the best, right? I think that's what I'm in the midst of here uh, in this, this. This is my junior year, I believe, uh, taking this, this photo. Yeah, I don't want to underestimate your overall academic abilities because somehow you got into Texas at the age of 12. So I am impressed by that. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I, I was I was a, a late mature, right? A late, uh, I want to say a late grower. I was gawky and grew like literally a foot in middle school. I went into middle school at seventh grade at about 5'3 or 5'4". I went into freshman football at like six two and a half or six three, right? So, and I had these, you know, gigantic feet, and I was like a gangly, you know, baby deer there for a while. I was the last to get armpit hair. I was the last to shave, right? That that's who I was, and uh, there's a lot of football players like that. That's why you know sometimes guys are taking on that potential or whatever else because they're like, hey, this guy's is still a growing kid. He's still a you know, a very young man. I grew my first year in the NFL. I grew about a quarter of an inch, right? So I, I guess I was a little late as, as long as that is con- as long as that is concerned there. God, <laughs> I've been five eleven and three quarters since I was 14 years old and have not grown since then. <laughs> I think it was all the secondhand cigarette smoke in the household. That <laughs> yeah, that could have done it. I do want to correct one thing. Okay. When you say I was the last to shave, you need to be more accurate. You need to say, I will be the last to shave. Because I, I, I still don't think you've ever shaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. But it's like once every three days. I'm clean shaven today. I shaved last night. You know, once it gets a little scruffy, I it get it takes a long done. time, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot, not a long time. You're well, right. I don't have to change the razor the whole – Yeah, I don't. You're right. If it's only been two or three days, it's a pretty easy shave for me. It is. Last night, yeah, got it done. Looking good, feeling good. I'll get the haircut on Saturday. Make it a little tighter so I could look good for the show on Sunday night and, and into the holiday season. I, I will freely admit that on many days, I shave twice. Is that right? I shave, I shave so early in the morning. Yeah. I work out late afternoon, and I take a shower after that, and there's just enough stubble. Right. And, and at this point in my life, it's all white. I don't want to carry that around. All night long. So yeah. I figure, you know, I'm going through the whole routine anyway. It, it only takes a couple minutes to shave. And, yeah, I shave twice a day. Wow. Days, weekdays. That's impressive. I've always I've always been amazed by by those type of guys, right? I, I had a – my dad had a friend growing up. His name is, like, Randy Botts. He literally shaved every morning. And, like, if you saw him at, like, 1030 in the morning, you'd be like, damn, you got to shave again. Like, it was already coming out, right? You, know, you ever see those guys? You know, he had a – Hairy oh, chest yeah. and hair on the back, right? So he was kind of one of those guys altogether. But uh, I was, I'm always amazed by, by the ability to grow hair that quickly. <laughs> it's just weird that our bodies are like one of those Play-Doh machines where it's just like constantly pumping out more and Seriously. more through these tiny right. little holes. Right. One of these days, one of these days, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, I know. You always it say go. it, but you don't ever do it. So let's let's see it. Let's I see can't. it. Come on. It takes – it takes – after about five or six days, I can't, I can't handle it. Right before it's we go to summer, and that's when you should do it. Like maybe I that last that week. Year. I say that every year. I know you do. I say that every year, and my wife, if I don't choose on my own to <laughs> shave it, eventually I'll get the what? What are you? What are you trying to prove? What are you doing? And 
Why do you I'm look so ugly? Me. Shave. I'll, I'll, I'll be right. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. Right. I'll be right back. Right. All right. Uh, sorry, we wasted ten minutes of your lives, but hopefully you enjoyed it. This is the the trigger now for me to get equal numbers of emails, half saying I love it when you guys talk about meaningless stuff, and half saying Why don't you talk about football? <laughs> I'm here to hear about football. 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 I don't want to hear about all this other shit. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Pete. And Kristen and anybody else. Sorry. Just having some fun. 11 days until Christmas. Oh, Pete said it's all good as if I care for his permission yeah. for his approval on this. I'll say it again. Uh. I'll say it until you say it's not all good. All right. Uh, here we go. Pete. I love you, Pete. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. I, and I have not been drinking this morning. I'm just in a good mood. We're getting closer to Christmas, and I'm in a good mood. Good. Am I allowed to be in a good mood? Yeah, I'm you are. Mood. Even all the right. Grinch is allowed to be in a good mood. So that's it's good. It's all right. <laughs> a little extra makeup up there. Okay, so uh, they do quarterly meetings. The owners get together, and then at the end of the process, they trot out various movers and shakers from the National Football League for press conferences. So, it, And the commissioner is always available. Four times a year, plus right before the Super Bowl and maybe one or two other times. But he, he always talks at these ownership meetings. And the, the, I'll let you hear what he has to say. Yeah. I have some thoughts about why now, while the season's happening. But here's the commissioner from yesterday talking about something that is not a hot topic for fans and players and teams and coaches, but it's a very hot topic for 345 Park Avenue. The hip drop tackle. They want it out of the game, and they're willing to say so during a season. They want it out of the game. Here's Commissioner Roger Goodell from yesterday on the issue of the hip drop tackle. Hip drop, I would tell you, I think we all should work to get that out of the game. Uh, You see uh, it escalated in the number of times it occurred this season. Uh, the injury can be very devastating. We saw that also. It's not just happening at the NFL level. It's happening at other levels. Uh, it's something that uh, I feel we've got to work uh, very hard to get that removed this spring. And, okay, fine. Why would they talk about it now when there's no process in place for changing it now? This is just, I think... An example of the arm twisting that happens to pressure the owners to go along with what the league office wants. Yeah, They're right. making this public PR case. It's like a political thing. Yeah, they're like, getting out in front of it. that somebody wants right. to be passed. Right. They, they want to create an expectation and a groundswell yeah. against the hip drop tackle. Right. And now we all have the opportunity to watch the rest of the season and see how many more of these things happen. Right. We just saw one, sort of. It was a combination horse collar hip drop. On Monday night, that happened to Tyree Kill, and now the Dolphins may not have him for this weekend against the Jets. He didn't practice on Wednesday, although they didn't have a practice. If they would have practiced, he wouldn't have practiced. It's one of those. Here's another hip drop. Did not practice thing. This is the Mark Andrews likely out for the year. So the NFL very is much like the Tyree Kill one, just not the same as the far in the back, the hand in the back of the nameplate, but a very similar tackle of just hanging on. And then throwing all your body weight and just letting your body go limp as you hang on with your hands and drop it, drop your hips on people's knees, legs, ankles, broken leg, broken ankle, Mark Andrews, broken ankle, Tony Pollard, broken ankle, Dak Prescott, 
right? I mean, I think we could like literally continue to go on and on if we put our heads around this and like had a little group think session over the last few years of people who have serious injuries from this tackle. So, you know, good for the NFL to get out in front of it. Sorry to bust in there. Just the highlights started playing, and I no, feel like we fine. talk about it. We're just, we're, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, right. I got no problem with right. that. We yeah. do that all the time. I interrupt you. You interrupt me. It's all family here. We've been doing it for this long, and we haven't killed each other. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's all good. Um, it's, it's strange that it hasn't become an issue until recently. I don't know if it's a technique that, that defenders have just kind of naturally noticed. Like you watch a game, you see somebody do it. Hey, I'll do that. Yeah, I don't right. know that they're affirmatively teaching this. They right. don't have a hip drop tackle seminar where, hey, you know what? Here's a way to get the guy on the ground. And if you get lucky, maybe you'll break his ankle. That's not what's happening here. It just kind of happened. It just kind of organically occurred. Now, the horse collar tackle, I think, was something that that Roy Williams yes. decided, right. hey, I'll make this work. Yeah. I just say, hey, you know what? I found something here. I'll grab you by the back of the shirt. I'll pull you down. And by pulling you down, the weight of your body onto your lower legs and the way it's all just kind of awkward, it results in potentially serious lower leg injuries like the one that broke Terrell Owens' ankle late in the 2004 season, and he somehow was able to come back and play in the Super Bowl that year. We don't want stories like that. We want guys to be healthy. They've discovered this thing that is a dangerous technique. Now, I'll admit... Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. When it all first came up and you hear defensive players yeah. push back against it. Right. And I, I go back to week, I think it was week four, Monday night game. Giants, Seahawks. Remember along the sidelines, Xavier McKinney did the hip drop, sort of, yeah. to Geno Smith. Yeah. Geno Smith was out for a while, came yeah, back. Yeah, got mad, he kind of got a game, penalty. He was, all, he was mad. He was talking to Lisa Salters. Right. He got a penalty during the game, and he was talking to Lisa Salters after the game. They got to do something about this. They got to find this guy. Pete Carroll chimed in with the same thing. I interviewed Bobby Wagner not long after that. He's like, nah, what? No. It's hard enough to play defense. What are you talking about? Keep that in the game. That's the push and pull here. The defensive players don't want 
what they regard as one of the last remaining arrows in their quiver taken away. Yeah, I, th- that is right. And I, I think a lot of them, to your point, it's not taught. It's not talked about. This is not a thing that is like put on the board. We show a video. Hey, try to do this. Right. It's a desperation thing. It It, it, it is. You know, I think it, it, like you see, it's, oh, it's Tyree Kill. I'm hanging on for dear life. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hang on much longer. I'm just going to drop all my weight and do it. I just got to get him down. That's my job. Get him down. I'm not mad at defensive players for doing it. If I was on defense, I'd probably be doing it as well. But the bottom line is it's become the most dangerous action in the game right now. Uh, or It's right up there with them. And I, I don't think a lot of defensive players, and I, listen, you know me, I'm, I got compassion for the defensive side of the ball. If anything, I am more pro-defense and stop skewing the, the rules to the offense. I think you can attest to that. So I want you know uh, the defense and the physicality and all of that. Uh, you know, I think the protection of the quarterbacks become too much. So I, I'm in their corner with most arguments here, but this is one that I've seen enough evidence and enough plays now to go, no, this, is, this can be taught out of the game and it's too dangerous, and I think more and more defensive players, like we had Devin McCourty, right? Where He early in the year was a little bit like, what are you guys talking about, what tackle? And then we showed him it, and he was like, no, I don't want that out of the game. He's like, "That's how do you think I get down a bigger running back or a bigger tight end, right? But then here he was a few weeks later, and I think it was after the Baltimore Ravens game, he had, you know, it had been put on his radar a little bit. He'd seen it around the league. He heard us talking about it on certain Sundays, and he kind of shook his head and was like, yeah, they probably got to get rid of that tackle. It's not good for the sport, right? And I think some defensive players are just kind of getting their head around this about what it exactly is and, you know, that the danger and why it's going to be taken out of the game. And, and I think there's a little pushback right now because it's a little new to all of them, right, at this moment. And I'm not faulting the natural inclination of defensive players who have seen their ability to be effective defensive players erode over the past 13 years, starting with this idea that you can't hit a player who has just caught a pass in the head or neck area with your helmet, and there's more changes that have been made. And there have been some changes put in place to protect defensive players, but it's easy for a defensive player to think what we do is under assault. It's hard enough to do what we're trying to do don't take away something else, even if it's something I've never used or never even heard of or couldn't demonstrate to you if you told me to. That's what J.J. Watt said yesterday on Pat McAfee's show. I couldn't show you the hip draft tackle if See, that, that's what I mean. The, a lot of guys who just have never seen it, they, don't know it, don't know what it is. And right. Is part of right. what we're trying to do is educate people on what exactly. it is, and we'll do that in a second. Right. But, but yeah, it's and, and, and McCourty's former teammate, Ramondre Stevenson, another one of the guys. Chris, there you go. Who suffered a serious ankle injury when he was dragged down with the hip drop technique. And right on cue, well done, Kristen. There it is. Is that it? Is that where he gets dragged down? I think that is where he yeah, gets Yeah, right here. Down. It so, happens so fast. Right. It happens so fast sometimes. But see, you, there, there, there is a, a rhythm to it. You get to the point where you know it when you see it. Exactly. You, you grab the guy. You spin him and you fall down. Yeah. That's the way to get him on the ground. You get control. You get your arms around him you, and then you fall. Yeah, that's exactly right. You bear hug, you hold on for dear life, and you just let your body weight go down from there. And with your momentum and coming into that, yeah, the ball carrier can't do anything, let alone now he's been bear hugged and has weight on him. 
and his legs are in the ground to begin with. And again, it's field turf, and it's not that easy to get your cleats out of that field turf all the time either, or grass for that matter, but even harder with field turf, to now you're, you're stuck up top, and now you're being put in a position, and you can't get your legs out from underneath you quickly enough uh, to avoid, oh, no, my leg's stuck in the ground now. And now I've got somebody else that's going to fall on my leg and be put in a compromised position. And that's where we're seeing the high ankle sprains, the broken fibula, tibia, right? The ACLs, all of that. That's what's causing these, these injuries. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely got to go. And, you know, hopefully we can get more defensive players aware of it and realize that it's something that's got to be taught out of the game and, and we don't need it. And before we go any farther, I do want to mention one thing. At yeah. the risk of sounding like we're wearing a groove in our own back, those of you who watch this show every day or listen to it aren't surprised by this because we told you not that long ago. Remember there was the report that Roger Goodell wants to ban the tush-push permanently from the game, and I started looking into it, and I found out he hasn't taken an opinion on it. He hasn't expressed right. an opinion on it. Right. And as I was inquiring about that, I was affirmatively told the hip drop tackle's got to go. Yeah. And I'm, I vaguely recall we talked about it last week. That oh, and I and we said, "Hey, folks, it's coming. They're going to get rid of the hip drop tackle." And yesterday, I think was the first official formal step toward getting at least twenty-four owners in March, three months from now, to say no more hip drop tackle. Coming out publicly about it is just part of this effort to push and push. And I guarantee you, there will be arm twisting between now and late March by the league office. To, and, and I think what they're trying to do is make such a big push against it, they don't need to twist arms. They get everybody on board. They get us on board. They get us understanding it. They get you understanding it as viewers and listeners and fans of the game. And they get, you know, maybe some voices out there in the media who don't quite understand it yet sensitive to it. Here's what Troy Vincent said yesterday. He's the executive VP of football operations with the NFL. He's had that job for a long time now. I think we have to ban it now, he said. I think a year ago when we actually drew the hip drop or a version of the tackle that we were seeing on video, there were some clubs that had no clue what we were talking about. One thing we can do today is define what that is. It is to grip, to rotate, and drop. Those three things show up on that play, and it's a gruesome play. That's a direct quote from Troy Vincent, Executive VP of Football Operations, who's along with the commissioner leading the charge to get rid of the hip drop tackle. And, you know, this is encouraging to me. Because we say from time to time, if not all the time, the league is too reactive. The league isn't proactive. And I got to give them credit I here agreed. for spotting this yep. and You're saying, wait a minute, it. wait a minute. What's right. this new What's this new trend? What's this new dance the kids are doing? Yeah. Right. Right. What's going on here? Let's figure this out because there's something about this that isn't good. And they've been able to identify it, articulate what it is, and begin this aggressive effort. To get rid of it. So I re- that's not yeah. this isn't BS. I mean, for all the times we criticize the league office where they're off base, this is one where they're plowing the right ground to say we're seeing something that isn't safe. We got to get rid of it, and here it is. And they've embarked on the effort to do so. No, it, it is. It's it, they de- they do seem like they're in front of this conversation, right? I mean, so much so that some defensive players are like, "What the hip drop tackle?" Right? They don't even. It hasn't become really a public talking point or knowledge point quite yet. Troy Vincent, that crew there, hey, the one thing I don't doubt is they care about players. We know that, right? We're in a meeting with them every year in the summer, 
and there's real care for players. They're seeing people go down left and right here, you know, because of this injury. And not like these are these are career defining injuries. I mean, you dislocate your ankle, break your ankle like Dak Prescott did. I mean, Dak Prescott, I would argue that this year is the first year he's moving the same way he did before the injury. This is two and a half years later, everybody. So it's serious, let alone, you know, again, yes, I I feel for defenders and I know they want to get people down. The other problem is you've heard me say and why I think it's become more popular too and more of a technique is because of the gloves. Nobody falls off defenders anymore. So they just go, wait, I'm latched on. I'm like Spider-Man. I ain't going anywhere. Let me just drop my weight and take them down. But it's hurting our sport. That's the bottom line, and that's why we got to get it fixed. I already named a few people we're talking about, right? We've shown a few highlights. Mahomes in the AFC Divisional game last year against the Jaguars, that was a hip drop-ish tackle, right? Here you go. I mean, it's going to be the same kind of thing here. Arden King latches on, brings body weight down. He didn't totally, he kind of like caught himself halfway, but it was hip drop-ish. It was hold on, let my body weight go down, except he just didn't swing his legs through. And I think we have one other, see, so here he is. Let me just hold on and just bring my weight down. He was in a little bit of a different angle, but still, I think everybody out there gets the gist of that. So, there. I mean, Chris, what, I first became aware of it right. when it happened to Tony, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, that's last. where I was going to go next. I didn't even know what it was. Right. I went through the same thing. Like, what is this hip drop tackle? I don't know it. I've never seen it. Right. I, I don't, you know, tell me more, please. But Tony Pollard broke his ankle. Just on the cusp of free agency, and the, the Cowboys ended up applying the franchise tag somewhat surprisingly because he goes into the offseason just weeks away from free agency with a broken ankle that he suffered after he was tackled that way by the 49ers. And again, it's nothing that any team, as far as we know, and I've seen no evidence to suggest this, that any team is coaching it, but it's happening because it is effective. And I think back to Mark Bavaro, who played with your dad in the 80s. You know, if you get a guy around the waist and you're holding on, he's going to Mark Bavaro you down the field. The players these days are strong enough to drag you with him. This is the way to get him to the ground. Once you have him around the waist, the only way you're going to get him down is to just fall down. Fall on his legs. Fall down and pull him with you and land on his legs. He lands on his legs or you land on his legs or both. Yes. And that's what... That's what they're trying to identify. And now, look, when, when we were going through the mental gymnastics of accepting this as something that needs to be out of the game, you know, I, like how do you get a guy on the ground? Peter King and I discussed this after the Mark Andrews in, injury on a Friday edition of PFT Live, especially if guy is moving toward the line to gain or the goal line like Mark Andrews was, and you're coming in as Logan Wilson was from the Bengals behind him. How do you get him to the ground ASAFP? Yeah, I hear Before you. the ball gets to where it's trying to go. Well, I don't know, but you don't do it by grabbing, grabbing him around the waist and falling down on his legs. That's going to be taken out of the arsenal. You're going to have to find another way to get him on the ground, or you're just going to have to concede that territory at that point. You know, I've seen other things like the rugby roll, like a gator roll. Type that, that's what I was. That's, that's how people used to do it. Right. Same thing. Instead of grabbing the waist and we can go back to the Logan Wilson play here in a second, guys, against Mark Andrews, instead of grabbing the waist and then pulling your whole body and dropping your weight, just go and now hold on and bring him with you as you're going by. I think that's how tackles like that were traditionally made in the past. 
And I think that's what you're referring to here now. Go by, hold on, and as you're going that way, your momentum and everything, you just take him with you almost in a gator roll. That was like a good way to say that. And I think that's where it's changed. Logan Wilson, and because of the gloves and all that, he grabs him by the waist, basically does a pull-up with his whole body and swings his legs through and then drops his butt on the ankles of the guy. I mean, again, look at this. He's holding onto a human, and he pulled his legs all the way through to the other side and then dropped his butt on Mark Andrews' ankle, which is now broken because of it. So that's where... I think you're talking about, and you know, maybe next week we could show examples of, of a play that has the gator roll there instead of what we're seeing there, which is extremely dangerous in, in football right now. You know, you did something there as you were demonstrating, and I know that it's a very hard concrete floor, and I don't want you to get injured, but part of me was was kind of hoping you would just completely fall off the chair and disappear from the screen. Because I know how those chairs are. And you're taking a risk. I don't even want I, yeah, you to do yeah, it again. Yeah, yeah. But you, you spun a certain way, and I thought, we're going to have a little bit of a viral moment today because Chris is going to fall off that chair if he goes a little bit farther, especially when you're as top-heavy as you are thanks to that giant that, that giant bucket you have on top of your shoulders. Thank you. So Thank you. you made me nervous, but also it was a little bit of a thrill. Oh, yeah, right, a little thrill. Like when I fell off a stage at the Super Bowl. Like you were nervous for a second, but then you were like, this is awesome. That. that dumb fool fell on the, no. fell on the ground. No. <laughs> You, you, you got me all wrong. I wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> oh, God, all sorry. Right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> here's how the – now, and this goes back to – I mentioned J.J. Watt was on McAfee yesterday and said I wouldn't be able to demonstrate a hip drop tackle if you wanted me to. And his whole idea is, well, let's just go ahead and play flag football. I mean, we, we – That's I a little overdoing it. J.J. Right. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get into a thing with J.J., but one thing J.J.'s got to realize. J.J., I'm speaking to you directly. I know you watch the show every day. You probably have never watched it. So um, – if you're going to have a platform in the media, you got to be a little more responsible. You can't just bring the meathead defensive players. You know they're t- they're they're trying to turn it into flag football. You you got to modulate that a little bit because there's a responsibility to the sport. And to to downplay this clear effort by the league to move on from the hip drop tackle is not productive because it's about player safety. This isn't about the the typical things we'll complain about with officiating, or whatever. This is about player safety, and this is a real issue that's been identified. And if you don't know what it is. Educate yourself before you comment on it. That's all I'll say. So well, here's yeah. the effort to educate right. what the hip drop tackle is. We've well, got a, an actual graphic. This is an internal graphic well, that sources close to me have made available. You go ahead and say Okay, well, cool. I just want to, like, off of that. And there's the, look at that. There's a the Tony anyway. Pollard one from last year, right? There it is. See, he breaks his ankle right there. But, like, to your point and, and what J.J. said, I love J.J. and what he's done to stick up for the fine system. We talked about that a little last week, Right. But, like, J.J., what I would want to say to J.J. Watt is, like, come on, you're sticking up for the players and all that. And I know defenses are under attack, but I'd go, come on, this is, like, this is the most dangerous play in the sport right now. We're, we're, people are dropping, like, flies because of it. So, you know, I hope he can realize that and, and, and what he's been talking about with the passion of the finding of football players. Look at this and go, this is something that is taking a lot of money from players, too. And Tony Pollard probably would have a long-term contract. If this wasn't an issue or didn't have a broken ankle, he wouldn't have been so desperate to take the franchise tag. So it's hurting players too. And go ahead, Mike. I'm uh, sorry to jump in there if you want to no, read the fine. definition. But of- you're right. You're right. His No, no. He's waving that flag. They're stealing money from players. Well, you're stealing money from players, allowing them to be injured gratuitously 
on a tactic that can be eliminated from the game and should be eliminated from the game. So here is the internal document that we have gotten access to. This defines the hip drop tackle. First, you grip the offensive player. The defender has a grip on the ball carrier with one or both hands. Part two, rotation and twist. The defending player uses the grip and swings or rotates his body to a position behind or to the side of the ball carrier. And then comes the drop. The defending player drops the bulk of the body weight directly onto the ball carrier's legs as opposed to the body weight landing on the ground first to absorb the impact. That is the hip drop tackle. Yes. That is the definition. You know it when you see it. Grab, twist, or rotation and fall onto the legs of the player or the player's weight falls onto his legs, just like the horse collar. Yep. Same idea, same risk as the horse collar. The horse collar was gone 20 years ago, years before they were forced to have an epiphany about brain safety and it sparked a longer-term effort to make the game safer for all players. They recognize the horse collar's got to go. This is one that they recognize has got to go. Same type of injury, same type of risk. And if we're going to talk about stealing money from players, this play steals money from players that's because right. it renders them unable to play and it makes it harder for them to get their next contract. That, that's right. And, and it, you know, again, you know, we, wanna, we want entertainment. We want teams at their best, all of that, right? Let, let's, I mean, hey, look at the names we've mentioned already. You know, I mean, it's Mahomes, it's Tony Pollard, it's, oh, it's one of the best tight ends in football not named Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. I mean, it's, it's, it's Tyree Kill. It's the MVP of football. I mean, we, of all the, like, yeah, of all the plays we're talking about protecting players and we want the stars to be available, well, the stars have the balls, the ball the most. And they're the ones getting hip drop tackled. You know, talk to Mac Jones last year on the Calais Campbell tackle. That was hip dropish. Is that not hip dropish? I believe so. Maybe, maybe the Patriots would have made the playoffs last year if Mac Jones didn't get hurt right here because of the hip drop, and then he couldn't play the next week against Green Bay, and they lost. Right? I mean, so you now, and maybe we wouldn't be talking about Bill getting Bill Belichick getting fired, right? Because they went to the playoffs last year. So th this has got to go. It's bad. This is hip drop all the way. Body weight on the leg. Mac Jones. Yep. Thank God he didn't break his ankle. It's actually a miracle he didn't. And that's where we've seen players, defensive players are under assault. I won't disagree with J.J. Watt, but we've seen the defensive players make unbelievable adjustments about target area, taking the helmet out of the game, doing all that. They were very difficult. I think this will be easier to fix and get out of the game than, than even those hits are. Yeah, because it's. I think it's easy to spot. Yeah. It's easy to flag. They need to have the league office involved in – during the games, helping the officials on the field once they eliminate it. But I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah. And that matter of time is three and a half months. Late March, it's gone. Now, the other rule that has gotten more publicity because it's a bigger deal and it's the Eagles catchphrase and it's unstoppable, the quarterback push play, whatever term you want to use to call it, tush, push, brotherly shove, whatever. We all know what it is by now. There has been some suggestion that that is on the endangered species list as well. But... That might not be the case. Here's Roger Goodell from yesterday talking about the play that the Philadelphia Eagles have perfected over the last two seasons. I, I haven't taken a position on that one. I, I think, um, you know, the last year the committee had a lot of different views on that. Uh, the membership did. Um, you know, I want to hear that again this year. I want to hear uh, how people feel about it. 
a lot of it's I like or I don't like. I, I think we want to look at is there enough data to talk about the safety of it? Uh, are there other aspects of it that we need to think about? A lot of coaches uh, talked last year about innovation would come off of that play. Uh, I'd like to take a look back at that. Has that really occurred? Um, so, I, listen, I think it, in anything, it's important to hear the different perspectives, let the committee do their work. Um, I'll be able to participate in that, and I'm sure we'll have a position by March. Yeah, look, here, here's the bottom line. There is no serious concern regarding increased injuries. Doesn't seem because like because of this play, and 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 also and also, Chris, Jerry Jones said this last week because he's in favor of keeping it. You would think of all the owners in the league, right? He's got to face it twice who, a year. <laughs> who faces the and competes with the Eagles, and the Eagles are winning these games against all the other teams they play because they've shortened the sticks from ten yards to eight. You would think the natural inclination for Jerry Jones would be get rid of that play. He explained it last week on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and, and he's right. It's more of a quarterback sneak. It's less of the push from behind that's, that's right. the issue. Right. It's the, the, the Eagles benefit from the fact that they, they have the better get-off. They've got the great, as you've said before, three centers, not a center and two guards. They've got three centers who can just burrow under the defensive line, and you've got a quarterback much like the way Tom Brady used to do it, who can spot the crack yeah, exactly. and kind of slip and exactly. dart through it right. and gain the yardage. Right. The push doesn't come into play yeah. all that often. No. I mean, think about it. It's more, it's more, now there's a, as I say yeah, that. But even Dallas there, Goddard that wasn't that drastic. It, it's not that big but, of a deal. But it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of Jalen Hurts shooting through. The push isn't the issue. You take away the guys behind the quarterback, it's still an effective play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, agreed. I, I, I think that you know the guys behind the quarterback pushing him, they they affect very little of these tush pushes. I mean, look at this one. He goes in standing up. I mean, it didn't even need to be pushed or anything. He did, never even fell on the ground. It's because he's got the biggest effing humans on the world in front of him and Yes, they're explosive as hell. He's got a special center, and they got two other guys, like you just said, and gave me credit for, thank you, that were unbelievable special college centers that they went, wait, you're bigger than Kelsey, and he's still playing, so move to guard. So they have incredible get-off. And then if people saw Jordan Mailata and, and Lane Johnson, they'd go, oh, my gosh, you're real humans? Like, I didn't even know they made humans that big if they saw them in person. They get involved coming inside there. So, and, you know, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think it's um, – I don't hear coach my coach friends or anybody like that being like, oh, man – this play, I don't know, the league, this is dangerous, it's not fair. I don't hear any of that right now. You know, I don't. And I and I don't see the numbers or, or anything to suggest that it is dangerous to players as we sit here right now. Uh, and I know you know my stance. I'm, I'm for keeping it. I don't think you can take it away because one team's dominating, kicking the crap and kicking the shit out of everybody in football doing it. And we go, well, they're too good at it. Let's take it away here. That doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations for the NFL, addressed that yesterday. He said, I think there was a report that either the league office or the commissioner was looking to eliminate this play. That was false. It has evolved. 
which coaches told us it would. We're seeing passes coming out of formation, people doing things differently than what we've seen a year ago. Everyone doesn't have the Philly success rate, but people are trying it. So talking to the membership, you don't want to punish anyone for doing something well. That's Amen right. to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, Chris, this is what I have been saying all year. We need a final answer on this. It can't be something that, well, we're going to give it another year. We're going to give it another year because if this is the law of the land, if this is the way we're going to go, and it's effective, and we know the NFL is a copycat league, it prioritizes differently how you evaluate guys coming into the draft, how you rank what positions are more important, what you're looking for in interior offensive linemen, what you're looking for in a quarterback, what you're looking for in defenders who can potentially disrupt it. If all of a sudden it's gone and you've, you've twisted your roster a certain way to try to shrink the sticks from 10 yards to 8 yards like the Eagles have, that wouldn't be fair. I think they should make a final answer and stick with it. And maybe, maybe they will. I, I have a feeling that, that they'll keep looking at it, but yeah. I'm hopeful that they'll recognize this is fair game. Yep. It's less about the push. That's right. The Eagles have discovered something. I mean, that's what's, I think, the most amazing part of all of this. A hundred plus years into the existence of professional football, right. at least the NFL's version of it, right. the Eagles have discovered this thing that – now, the push part of it was hiding in plain sight for 16 years, but just the idea of maybe we can really perfect the quarterback sneak. Maybe there's a way to weaponize the quarterback sneak, and it's not just that thing we do every once in a while on third or fourth and really short, but we're going to do it more often. We're going to do it on fourth and two, third and two all the time, and they can't stop us. That, that I think, is what's impressive, to find some new wrinkle – that you can exploit so well 100-plus years into the life cycle of the NFL. No, it, it is impressive. It is. And, you know, one, I think, you know, the physicality of that football team and Nick Sirianni and how he coaches them, right? The fact that, yeah, I you know, they tried it out, and then they were like, wait, Jalen Hurts, damn, he's got a kind of a natural feel, let alone we know he's strong as hell. And then I think they probably kind of fell into it too and going, wait, we got the biggest damn O-line in, like, the history of football – why don't we just do this anytime we get a yard, a yard and a half away from the first down, right? And, you know, to kudos to them with what they got, recognizing it and then taking advantage of it. And you know, I'm all for it. Keep it. All these other teams are trying to do it. They're not having the success rate that Philadelphia Eagles are. There has been other plays off of it, right? We've seen the tight end come and do it instead of the quarterback. We've seen little fakes off of it and then pitch it out to somebody. There has been other wrinkles there, but I don't think it's a safety concern. And the only thing to me that needs to continue to be policed when it comes to that, back to Kadarius Tony, is why that rule is there. Okay, the offense, they already got the advantage and that they know the snap count. You can't let them now uh, have neutral zone infractions to where they can get a jump on the line of scrimmage and they know the snap count. That's where, again, the line of scrimmage lining up on side became a thing this year, and that to me is the only thing the NFL has to stay on top of because that's not fair. When they let the Eagles, who were already extremely talented there, now let them have a piece of the ball there that the defensive line is not getting or afforded that luxury and they know the snap count. The defense is never going to win if they let the offense line up offsides. And that's the, that, to me, is the biggest thing about policing this as we go forward. Now, the kickoff has been a play that the NFL has been trying to make safer 
over the past 10 or 15 years. And they've made it safer by creating a situation where it happens less frequently. It doesn't exist. It doesn't almost. make the play itself any safer. Right. But when you create incentives to kick it into the end zone and force a touchback, and then you create an incentive to take a touchback, and most recently they've allowed teams on a one-year experiment only, but maybe it'll become permanent, to call for a fair catch between the goal line and the 25, and you get it first and 10 at the 25. Here's the commissioner from yesterday talking about the current state of a play that has basically disappeared from view, the kickoff return. I think uh, we'll continue to focus on special teams uh, and trying to address the kickoff. We believe that the, the foot is an important part of the game and kickoff returns are an exciting play. We see it at 20% this year. Um, we'd like to see that higher, but we also want to make sure that the injury rate is addressed. And so we're going to have to innovate. We're going to have to be smart. We're going to have to do what we've done before, which is make the game more exciting and make it safer at the same time. We've proven we can do that, and we're going to do it. And it's amazing when you look at the evolution. Over the last 20 years, it's more like a revolution. With 32 teams entering the league in 2002 and no efforts to make the kickoff safer, 93.1 kickoff return rate. After the Kevin Everett injury in 2007, if you remember that, the Bills player, who suffered the neck injury during yeah. the kickoff return, ultimately recovered, didn't play football again, but ultimately recovered and regained the use of his arms and legs. 2009 is when they started this restriction. No wedges of three or more players. Down goes the kick return rate. Kickoff moves from the 30 to the 35. Used to be at the 40. They moved to the 35, moved to the 30, back to the 35. Kickoff return rate goes even lower to 53.6. They move the touchback. From the 20 to the 25, it goes lower. No two-man wedges. It goes lower. Not by much, but it goes lower. And now, Chris, where we are, 20.5% kickoff return rate. One out of every five gets returned because the if the ball just lands on the, the ground in the end zone, it's a touchback at the 25. If you take a fair catch between the goal line and the 25, you get it at the 25. You know, we thought, oh, well, maybe we'll still see some teams. You know, we'll see the mortar kick. We heard a lot about that. They'll just they'll force them to return it or they'll choose to return it. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen that. No one's been willing to risk that. And so the kickoff becomes irrelevant to the point where it's basically dead to the point where why not just put the ball at the 25 and be done with it? You need something to simulate the onside kick. Well, why not just put the ball at the 25 and be done with it? I, I just wish we could find a, a middle ground somewhere. I, I do. You know, I mean, because it is a – and, you know, I know proper adjustments are trying to make, you know, like you talked about. We take the wedge away and the three-person wedge, and then we made a two-person wedge, and then not allowed to have anybody do that. You know, and, and I think that was all good because, listen, I, I can tell you, and, and you've heard me tell stories about this before, the collisions back in my day, okay, you know, old-timer Chris Sims here, on kickoffs and kickoff, I used to sit there and go, I, I don't know how they do it, these guys, right? I mean, in one game, and I've told you this, you know, I think I told you this recently, and when I was with the Tennessee Titans and we were playing the Indianapolis Colts on a Thursday night game, Daryl Reed, which was one of the greatest wedge busters in the history of football, he knocked out two guys on our Tennessee Titans team in the same game. And then I mean, one of them, 
was like the guy was snoring right by the sidelines. Like he was out. He was snoring. He was asleep. So it had to be adjusted. But I wish we could find a middle ground because, damn, I mean, I don't know. I grew up with Dave Meggett and Deion Sanders returning kicks and going, this is the one of the coolest plays in the sport, right? Mel Gray, Desmond Howard in the Super Bowl. You know, what's the receiver's name? I'm Jacoby Jones of the Ravens in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, all those great, exciting plays that I grew up with and we all hey, remember, hey. it's out of the game right now. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin tripping Jacoby Jones exactly. on Thanksgiving night. You don't right, have that either. Right, right. So that's where, I, you know, it's an exciting play, and it's a speed play where the fastest guys in football get to show what they got, and it excites the fans. I was at the Super Bowl, Colts versus Bears, and Tony Dungy said, screw that, we're going to kick it to Devin Hester. Who the hell does he think he is? And then he ran off the field for a 100-yard touchdown, and then he can kick it to him again. I mean, that was amazing to see. I wish we could still keep the play alive somehow, some way, and I hope that's something the competition committee and everybody can can finagle with and, and still find a way here because, like you said, it, it's gone right now. It, it does barely exists. And just so folks understand the risk, the heightened risk of serious injury, what happens is you have two individuals running at each other at top speed or close to it. So you've got maximum forces meeting. And what happens is instinctively before impact, you'll see the kind of bracing dipping of the helmet. So when those helmets smash together, you get maximum force in a vulnerable area of the cervical spine, C4, C5 area. That breaks, damages the spinal cord. You have a Kevin Everett situation or Eric Legrand, if you remember him, the Rutgers player who had the catastrophic neck injury on a kickoff return. And that actually sparked Greg Schiano, who was coach of Rutgers at the time when he got to the NFL, to put the idea of the fourth and 15 alternative to the onside kick in the commissioner's head. That's been an issue for years now. That's a way to get rid of the kickoff and still have an opportunity for the team that's trailing to come back and win the game. So they've been thinking about this for a long time. Now, Chris, here's where I think it's going. We reported this last year. The XFL kickoff. Yeah. I don't know that the combined XFL and USFL is going to use this, but they should. This And it's like an old electric football play because all the players are standing still. They're out there and they're arranged. And it's it's neat to see it. There, the, You've got 10 of the return team players and 10 of the kicking team players, five yards apart, frozen in whatever pose your your favorite electric football player is. They're frozen. The ball's kicked and they're still frozen until the return man, the one guy back there behind them, catches it. Well done, control room. They're all standing there waiting. And as soon as he catches it, it's turned the button on and there goes the electric football game. But what that does, it gets rid of the high-speed collisions because guys are only five yards apart when they start running at each other. That's what what I think we're going to have. And it creates an opportunity for Jacoby Jones to bust through, and off he goes. And he's loose! So... That, oh, don't hip drop tackle him when you catch up to him. That was, oops. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, but that's the, that, I thought he was gone. He wasn't loose. He was caught and almost hip drop tackled. But that's what I think they need to do. And, you know, 
they, they say they're putting it on the coaches. They're putting it on the coaches. I think they're going to reject any idea the coaches have until the coaches have the idea on their own to just bring the XFL. I think that's what they're trying to get them to do, to get the coaches to say, let's just use the XFL kickoff. And once they say, sold, that's what we're going to do. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I, I could, that's a good common ground for me. I, I think there's, you know, you could sell that still as that's a legit play. It keeps some of the exciting names that we've talked about in history still involved in the game, right? It is one of the more exciting plays to begin with, and I think it's safe. You know? And I think there's going to be real tactical, right, coaching by these special team coaches there of, like, creative design and how you block those 10 uh, guys on 10 guys and do all that. So I can get behind that if the NFL wants to adopt that one for sure. One last thing. We don't have time to debate it now. We'll have plenty of time in the offseason, especially as late March approaches. But they are going to look at our mutual favorite play for very different reasons, the North Korea play. They're going to look at the fumble out of the end zone that currently gives the defense possession at the 20. Even if the ball had trickled out just before the pylon, the offense still keeps it at the spot of the fumble. If it touches that pylon, it's North Korea, it's the DMZ, and the defense gets the ball at the 20. They're going to look at it. I don't know if they're going to change it because they've looked at it in the past. They've never changed it. But they are at least going to look at it. I wonder what they'll do by looking at it. I am, you know, I'm a a staunch defender of that rule. Call me Sims Jong-un. I don't care what you want to call me, okay? But, yes, I do do believe that, yes, that the end zone is the only part of ownership on the team. And I thank you for – you did a good job in the article you wrote yesterday explaining my side of the story there. And I know we'll get into it. But, yeah, I want to see what the remedy is – before I attack it. I don't want, oh, offense fumbled the ball out of the end zone. Oh, poor offense. We're going to favor you more and just give you the ball back. That's where I just go, that's a bunch of BS, and you don't get the ball back. That shouldn't be, right? And, yeah, I'm a believer in that end zone. That That's, that's the other team's territory. It's the only defined ownership of the field on on the football field. And that's why, you know, if if you let the other team in there with the ball – they get seven points for breaking into your house and doing that. They just stole seven points from you. And that's why I like it. So we'll see where it goes. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, and it'll be a good offseason argument between you and me. You and I have previously reached a loose consensus that we could accept reluctantly yes. the idea that the defense gets the ball at the spot of the fumble, not at the 20. Yes. That would be a middle ground. I feel good to, about to that. To placate both sides of the right. argument. Right. Yes. That that to me would make sense. And I, I can get behind that instead of getting the, the touchback rule, basically, right, where they get the ball out at the 20. Hey, they fumbled here. Ball rolled in the end zone. Out of bounds. Defense, you get the ball at the spot of the fumble. I can understand that, and I can get behind that. All right, very productive first hour of the program, covering a lot of important issues in the NFL. When we return, we'll preview tonight's Chargers-Raiders game. Plus, Bill Belichick has coined a new catchphrase. More PFT Live right after this. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. 
So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 